even when there's no one sitting there. But oh. And a house is not a home when there's no one there to hold you tight and no one there you can give. We're going to pump the brakes right there. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody. This is Kay Dizzle, the Licks of Love, coming to you live. This is Can A Play A Play. We just wanted to start the show off with a little bit of Luther to uh, lay the groundwork, a set the mood for our guest today. Today, our honored guest is Miss Lori Welk. For those that you don't know about Lori, Lori's an international speaker a writer, and wrote a very controversial book, which we're going to be talking about. Without me, you'll be eating out of garbage cans. And then we're going to move right along to her most recent book, Sex After Prostate Cancer, A Wife's Secrets. And she's going to be talking to you about that one. So without further ado, as they usually say, and I get to say that, I'm going to have to practice that a little bit more so I can sound real, uh, you know, when I say it. But... Lori, are you with us? I am with you, Lamont. It is such an honor to be on your show today. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm sure our listeners are uh, sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear from you with your wealth and wealth of information. Thank you for joining us, too. Thank you. Well, without me, you'll be eating out of garbage cans, because that sounds like some stuff that I tell somebody, because you know how men get, you know, men get real arrogant, you know, because we was raised like little boys, you got to make the money, you take care of your family, you do all those things, so with that come attitude and all kind of other crazy stuff, so I can see somebody saying that, you know, without me, you're just going to be just terrible, so tell us about that, what was the inspiration behind that, Lori? Well, the inspiration is, uh, that was really what was said to me, I helped uh, my boyfriend at the time make $3.5 million. It took us about three and a half years to do that. And uh, during that time, I decided I was going to get an an MBA. And so I went back to school on the weekends, uh, worked all week. And he told me that um, I didn't need any education because we had money. And I said, well, you got money because of my education. I told you what to do with the money to build it and make it all happen. And the day I got my MBA, I came home. I was ready to, you know, to celebrate. I was excited of what I had accomplished. And he said, uh, if you're leaving, you need to go now. And without me, you'll be eating out of garbage cans. Well, I turned into a very angry woman, and uh, I turned it into a book. <laughs> wow. You're laughing, well, and I had to live through it. It was kind of crazy. Well, I'm only laughing because it like he got off light. You know, he got three-something million dollars, and you got to write a right? book. Right? It's yeah, something that well, seemed kind of fair about that. Is exactly, but he um, he was definitely uh, kind of on the bipolar category, and had his ups and downs. And um, you know, I decided I could have had the first palimony lawsuit in the state of Florida, uh, but I thought he would kill me if I did that. And so uh, my son at the time was six years old, and uh, I met him when my my son was two. And I just decided that I wanted to be around for my child, and that if I made money one time. Uh, that, you know, I had the big diamond ring thinking that there was something for both of us. I didn't think I was making it for him, for him to just tell me that. You have to understand that it wasn't, that wasn't the intention going in. And um, it didn't turn out that way. I thought it was for both. And it turned out to be that um, he walked with his money. Now, now, I don't want you to think I didn't get paid because I was in real estate. So I got paid on every transaction a piece of property that I sold him. I'm not saying that I didn't get paid. I'm just saying is the equation got very ugly. And, uh, you know, I was very angry, though. I have to say I was really angry, Lamont. Okay, so so in this book, you know, does it speak uh, solely to females about how to get away from mental and physical and emotional abuse? 
You know, what's really amazing is um, one of the libraries in Central Florida, the person in charge was a man, and he said that he needed the book because mental, physical, and emotional abuse, emotional abuse is, you know, it doesn't have a gender attached to it. So, you know, just because my situation in this case was a man to a woman, you know, there's plenty of situations where women could be abusive of a man, you know, and people tend to, when there's emotional abuse, and verbal abuse like that, they tend to put up with it a lot longer than somebody taking a smack in the face or, a, you know, being hurt where there's a physical aspect of it. Um, but if you talk to a lot of people who have been in relationships for a long time, you know, I, I talk about even my grandparents who are no longer with us, but my um, grandmother put up with emotional abuse for 50 years from my grandfather. I and mean, he was just, she had very bad hearing and couldn't hear anything. And so he said everything under the sun and most of it was not nice. And she couldn't wow. hear it, but he, you know, he, he just went about doing his business and she never divorced him. And, uh, you know, it was really a very sad statement. So people that take emotion, it's really a message that if you're being abused emotionally, that, you know, that's not a situation that you want to stick with. Well, do you find that sometimes people don't even realize and understand they're being abused emotionally if that's what they accustomed to or have been accustomed to based on the relationships they grew up within their family, like meaning their father and mother was abusive? Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like it may be those people's normal. Right, they don't know. And I think this book is more of an eye-opener. I think I think you hit it on the nail, nail on the head. I think my book is more of an eye-opener to people of, Oh my gosh, somebody telling you that you shouldn't get education and trying to stop you from bettering your life. That's not a good, that's not positive and supportive. You know, somebody telling you that without them, you'll be eating at a garbage can. That's not really positive and supportive. And the book has a lot of situations of people that I actually interviewed and I shared their story. And it, it almost, it almost seems like I was the one that lived through it. And so I, I always warn people, you know, be careful when you read this book because the way it's written, some of the things that happened that I shared with the audience didn't happen to me. There are other people's stories, you know, uh, a man not letting the wife, uh, you know, babysit so she could make extra money because he wanted to make sure that she wouldn't have any money to get away, you know, doing things like locking people's, you know, checkbooks and things away from them where they cannot access the things that they would need financially to be, be free. You know, there, there's a lot of stories like that. And there's also a lot of stories that people that are um, control freaks are very dangerous. And those tend to be the people that ultimately uh, the stories that we read, that they kill other people or harm other people. And uh, I tell stories of, of real situations uh, of what's happened to people when they've gotten around control freaks. Well, there's a lot of those out there, the ones that know that they're control freaks and the ones that are control freaks and they don't realize it themselves. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that, it, it, you know, we as people just have, you know, a long way to go. I think we just – there's so many people that have really bad self-esteem. And as you mentioned, it can come from what they've grown up with and what they've been surrounded with and nobody has supported them, so they don't know what it feels like to be supportive uh, I just share with people, you know, if, if some way, somehow you're in situations that don't seem right, that don't seem supportive, try to reach out and, you know, get some help. If you think you're in a situation that's bad and you think you're around somebody that's a control freak, you, you know, you may very well be in danger trying to leave and you need to reach out and try to get some support somewhere. You mentioned self-esteem. Do you feel like people that have low self-esteem or lack in self-esteem tend to be controlling? No, I think the people that have a lack of self-esteem, well, I mean, it could it could be a defense mechanism that somebody has low self-esteem and they hide the fact that they don't believe in themselves by being controlling and trying to control other people as a defense mechanism. It could happen that way. It could happen that way, that they really have a lot of fear and they really don't believe in, in themselves, so they try to take control of other people. But on the same token, the people th themselves don't have any self-esteem. They're in a difficult situation because they often don't know how to operate around other people that are trying to control their lives and trying to overpower them. 
I mention that in terms of men because sometimes I have issues with a lot of our men today, and, and I say on my show a lot of times that I feel that a lot of men have forgot how to be men. And by that, I'm saying, you know, they have self-esteem issues. And because of that, it, it makes them very obnoxious, uh, domineering, uh, abusive, and, and controlling. I mean, because they're they lacking in so many other ways, and then they hide behind that. Right. Oh, it's totally possible, Lamont. And unfortunately, the statistics are that two out of every three people have poor self-esteem. So if it's not you, it's the person to your left and the person to your right. So this is an absolute widespread problem, and people that understand that, you know, they, they can capitalize on it and take advantage of it. So what do we do? I mean, we go back to Michael Jackson and tell him to check their star player and fix themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that I think that we – as individuals have to try to be, you know, be aware. And, you know, as we start to see and we start to realize and learn that what we're doing is not getting us and serving us in a way that's great, it's not getting us really good results, then I think one step at a time is all you can do to start to make changes. And the unfortunate part is that People have issues in self-esteem on all aspects of themselves. And maybe in the media, we make it you know, worse many times because we tell people what they're supposed to look like. We tell people what they're supposed to be eating if they're you know, great or they're going to be healthy. We tell people what they should be thinking and what kind of cars they should be driving and what kind of homes they should be living in and how much money they should be making. And um, most people start looking at themselves and they start evaluating and judging themselves based on other things and images, and then they start seeing that they don't measure up. And so that's a, that's a difficult place to be. You know, it, it's in, and as parents, we have a huge responsibility to try to set the example for our children. And if we can't uh, be strong ourselves, if we don't believe in ourselves, then how do we guide the next generation to believe in themselves? I don't know. I guess I came from the other planet because I've always been the best-looking person I know. I've always been. <laughs> <laughs> You've just been too hot to handle. That's it. That's it. <laughs> hey, for listen, for any of those that just joined the show, we speak to Miss Lori Wilk. Press number one on your phone if you'd like to join us, like to comment, got a question. Uh, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Don't be afraid. Push the button. We know all y'all, some of y'all, most of y'all got some issues, some drama out there. So, you know, we're not here to judge and we won't talk about you on the air anyway. So don't be afraid. I love it. <laughs> you, open the, you open the door to people asking questions. And I think that's the only way we learn and grow if we open up and we start to consider, you know, getting help or trying to understand things. And asking questions is a really good way to go about that. Right. Hold on, Lori. Three two three, you're on live. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Uh, we hear you loud and clear. Okay, this is Terry from California and I have a question for Lori. Thank you, Terry. What's your question? What is your advice on being in a relationship and trying to uh build a business? What is your advice on that? Okay, is is it you are wanting to own your own business or you are trying to build a business with the person that you are in the relationship with? Yes, building the business together. Okay. Well, I, I think that not being an attorney, I, of course I can't give you legal advice, but I would give you advice as a business person to be very clear in writing about what that business is about how it is structured, what should happen uh, to either of the parties should they, one want to sell, one not want to sell, one want to get out of this business. I think there have to be very clear parameters should something change because some, some people are in a situation where that relationship will continue and some people would be in a situation where that relationship, the relationship will not continue and if they've built a really good business – 
they just might not want to wake, walk away from that piece. They may want to make sure that their ownership within that business is, is protected. So I would say, you know, make sure you protect yourself and also find, try to find some balance in your life that is outside of that business. Because if you work on a business with another person 24-7, you know, it's got its own self uh, stresses, many stresses that take place when you're working with somebody, you know, uh, in, in that partnership. So be very clear about what you're going to get. Uh, should it work out great or should you change your heart? <laughs> Okay, and and would you say that some of the attributing factors when you was talking about the control issue, could some of that be misconstrued and and harm the situation, whether it's relationship-wise or business-wise, because the controlling thing, whereas you may think it's controlling, but because you're in a relationship, you're taking it one way, but it's technically not that way. Do you find that as a problem? No, I mean very clearly the 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 answer the, very clearly the issues that I um brought out within the book you know I signed up to go to college and this person literally told me they did not want me to go to college because they did not want me to take my time away from business they wanted me to do more business with them and they didn't think I needed any more education so you know there was an attempt but I I went for the education so I did not allow that I did not allow their decision to interfere with my desire for my education. I made my own moves. Um, I did not appropriately, obviously, protect myself like I'm telling other people that they should uh, do in this situation. I assumed that we were moving forward in this relationship. You know, I had the ring. Um, I had what I thought was a commitment and I had a business, which was my business, actually the business I was president of my own company, uh, but the monies that were made in this situation were not being shared on the profits of this business. I was getting paid for my services. So, you know, all I can say is that many things happened um, even, you know, behind closed doors that were said that were very ugly and that were very, very controlling. I mean, this person asked me literally if I was going to do what they wanted me to do. I mean, there were no words that were minced. It was very clear, was I going to do what they wanted me to do? And I clearly was not going to do everything they wanted me to do. Um, So protect yourself. If you can't figure out how to make an agreement that you're clear on writing, get somebody else to help you. And, um, you know, ask to be treated the way you want to be treated. We always have choices. I could have left sooner. I was there for and a half years, you know, so it was my choice to stay and have a gun to my head, but the the treatment in the long run was not, you know, very positive and very good. I did make money. All righty. Thank you, Miss Terry. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so you went on to um, 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 another book after Without Me, You'll Be Eating Out of Garbage Cans. Yes, because I got married in Los Angeles. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Lori, before we move on to that. I think we got another caller. 702, come on. Hello, Lori, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. My name is Stan. And I had a question for you. Please. I was like married for thirty years and out of the game for a while and I'm trying to get back into dating and I'm having a few issues with my self esteem and uh I was trying to see how I could get back on the straight and narrow path there. Okay. Okay. Um are they? Are they? Are they? Um, in your? Is it more in your mind, or is it more physical? Is it? You know, where are you having the biggest problem? I think it's in in the mind. Uh, my confidence level is not as high as it used to be. Okay. And, um, okay. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. How about your communication skills with people? Are you uh, comfortable communicating? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, basic, 
basically, you know, one of the, in terms of the self-esteem isn't about feeling good about yourself, is really believing that what you have to offer is great, that you're a good person, you know, that you care about other people, that you're able to communicate with other people. And if you don't feel that you communicate well, then, then that's something you want to practice. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, and, and I would say uh, with friends, um, I've even had people who have taken classes so that they can open up their communication skills. But everything mm-hmm. is about communicating, being able to talk to somebody, being able to ask questions, being able to become comfortable listening to what they're saying, and then also knowing that you're a good person, that you have things to contribute. And when you believe that within yourself, it's a lot easier to bring other people into your life. Okay. I see. Well, yeah, I'll have to try that. Thank you so uh, much for calling. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Ann. Mm-hmm. Well, again, for those that joined us, you listen to Canada Play. Phone number six four six nine two nine twenty eight seventy. If you got a question, press number one on your phone. We'd love to hear from you. Now, now, got now. Got a lot of responsive listeners. Yes, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing, and I think um, it shows like this that actually are here for this reason. I mean, I think if people communicate more and actually make a conscious effort to to look in the mirror and try to work on their flaws or faults or whatever it may be and stop blaming people for whatever their issues are. I think that would be a good start. At least that's just my humble opinion. Thank you, Lamont. Yes. So, Lori, book writer, author, uh, let me see. Let's talk about your your most recent thing, sex after prostate prostate cancer. You know, that I don't know very much about, so please tell us about that. Well, it, it's my education in that area started when I got married. I met somebody uh, in Vegas, and we got married, and my spouse uh, was a prostate cancer survivor. And in his situation, he already had the prostate removed, um, one out of every five men in the, in out there, one out of every five men is, uh, you know, got the potential of of having um, prostate cancer. So it's the, the statistics are, are there's a lot of people that are going to be affected. And once the prostate is removed, this the procedure was called a um, radical prostatectomy, where they did not cut the nerves around the prostate. And by not cutting the nerves, that means that the body has a chance of bouncing back and being able to have an erection, but it could take up to five years. And you can only imagine that, you know, I'm not a guy, but I'm sure that if that was my body, it would be a lot of frustration and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety about is my body going to bounce back and what do I do in the meantime and what do I, you know, how is life going to be different than it was before my prostate was removed. So that's where it started. Oh, that's heavy right there, because just, just the thought of that stuff is scary, especially in our day's society. Very scary. Very scary. And the good the, the good news and the bad news is, obviously, nobody wants to have cancer. We don't want to have cancer. But the, the um, technology and the things that are out there to be able to detect problems, to be able to resolve problems if you go for exams and you don't ignore yourself, because that would be one of the messages. Don't, don't have strange symptoms with your body and ignore the symptoms. Go get checked. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I was told before my spouse had figured out that he had prostate cancer, he had a problem with ED. And so he was thinking he was just going to go get some pills like a Cialis and a Viagra and whatever, and things were going to get better. And he went to a doctor, and the doctor said, you need to have your heart checked because one of the symptoms of having problems with your blockage in your heart is the blood's not flowing down there. It's not flowing up there to your heart either. So he went to the cardiologist and found out that he had his heart blocked. So he had to have those arteries open first, that balloon kind of procedure, 
before they could go back in and check for the problems dealing with the prostate and go resolve that problem and take it out. Because you can't have surgeries unless you have clearance from your doctor. You know, overall, you got to get cleared, your heart and all that. I just heard something too. It's amazing. A lot of people didn't uh, didn't have not associated those two things. If you had blockage in uh, one of those areas, chances are you were blocked in another area. Right? People don't think that the blood's not flowing from one place to another. They think that there's a reason like that. So if I could give that one tip to men out there to go check, you know, really don't leave a problem alone and assume that you understand what the root cause of it is. Go get checked. And when they say to go have your that PSA t- kind of test for the prostate and that you should do that, go do that because I always say to people, wouldn't you rather try to resolve something at an early stage before it's as critical, before something might have to be removed in a big surgery or your life isn't really in danger? You know, you want to, you want to check things out earlier. And so that would be a good message I would share with the audience. As far as relationships after prostate cancer, I think we should talk about that sex part and the and really what happens in the situations after if you want to go there. But yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. I'm sorry, Lloyd. Yes, ma'am. I think we have another caller here. Maybe they got something okay, they want sure. to add. Let me see who this may be. One one one. Come on. Hey, Lamont. It's Joe. How you doing? Oh, good, Joe from Delaware. How you doing, sir? Thank you, thank yeah. you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I saw the headline without me would be eating out of garbage cans, and then I read the description page, and I said, oh, all right, okay, I'll call in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think, Joe? Well, when I first read the, um, like I said, the headline, I <laughs> Um, I wanted to find out what it was, and I wanted to find out, since the name is Lori, what Lori, a female, was going to say about um, her being supportive, um, of, I guess, of the husband or the boyfriend, and being supportive to the degree where the guy um, would be nothing without her. So that's why I called in, but then, ma'am, I read the description page. It was about. Yeah, you found out. He, he said it to me, huh? <laughs> it's okay. I always said that, you know, the, the the most amazing thing is I take me took me away from the whole situation, and I was going to go on to make money and do things, and so um, he lost the person to advise to advise him that way. I mean, it's it's all good. It's you know, people have to be in situations that are that are good and right and supportive and loving, and that just wasn't the right one. So it was really a blessing that I didn't marry that person, right? Well, I don't know. I don't. I didn't get that far. I read the description page and I'm ah. talking about how a person could be in um, abusive situations, but then when I read further, it was talking about um, how a person really would have erectile dysfunction due to heart attacks, I think heart attacks, or some sort of um, physical ailment. And so I thought it was primarily about a woman being supportive of her husband who, because of surgery or because of some sort of medical malady, wouldn't be able to really perform in bed or perhaps wouldn't be able to actually have the kind of personality that he first had, maybe as a result ah, of stroke. Two different men. It was two different men, Joe. Uh, one, 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 one person in my life, I helped make a lot of money, and then they told me that I should leave, and without them, I'd be eating out of garbage cans. The second oh. book was written based on the, spout, the man that I married, and he was a prostate cancer survivor, and I learned a lot about sex after prostate cancer. And the message I would give, Joe, is that, you know, the person that has gotten the illness of the prostate cancer, if they can't perform the way that they were previously performing, but it's important to them that they make their partner happy, then they need to look at other alternatives or how they're going to do that. You know, and and there's more there's more out there, and there's more possible. There's many many things people can do to be satisfied. Well, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, that would that would certainly be the message, and certainly the uh, the hope of marriage, especially when you're taking the vows, and the vows say for better or for worse. So when your spouse is incapacitated for whatever reason, especially with uh, a medical ailment, then you have to support the spouse. I'm glad mm-hmm. you've uh, clarified that, the f- <laughs> and it was one guy that um, who told you that without you, he'd be eating out of garbage cans, but then decided not to continue the relationship. Um, well, I'm, I'm interested in 
and more on that topic. But whatever you want to talk about, I mean, if you want to talk about what happened with your husband or what happened with the other guy, it's okay with me. Uh, Lamarca put me on hold to to take care of the fuzz, (laughs) and um, I'll just sit back and listen. Thank you, Joe. Sure. Well, great, great. And you got a hum on your side, Joe. I don't know what that is, but you got a hum coming from your side. All right. uh, Mm-hmm. I'll fix it. I'll, I'll be back in about 30 seconds. And Thank you, Joe. Don't hang up. <laughs> uh, I'll take care of the buzz, and then um, I'll be right back. Okay? All right, Joe. Okay, okay Lori. I'll be right were, back. Um, Thank you. All right. Lori, where were we? We were talking about uh, the, the sex, sensuality, and alternative products. Yes. And so along the way, some of the things that we did, we had to we had to take a look and figure out what we were going to do. And we went, we were in Vegas, so we went to the Adult Entertainment Expo. And the Adult Entertainment Expo has all the products and services that are there and being promoted. You know, wholesalers uh, of products being sold stores uh, in the you know everything related to the sex and sensuality and all of that. And we came across one company that was selling a product called the Elator, um, E L A T O R, and it's T H E the Elator, and it's basically something that you uh, put on. That creates the erection for you. You go ahead and you do your thing, and then you take it off. And so that's something that a person can, um, you know, have fit to size so that they are able to participate even if their body doesn't feel like doing what it's supposed to. And amazing things like that in the marketplace can improve and make things possible for people where they weren't possible before that may not want to take a drug. Um, another area that's been growing tremendously, and you probably hear a lot of commercials about it, is where there's a lot of these men's kind of clinics where men are taking injections, and that helps them to be able to um, sustain the erection that they need to be able to participate, you know, in adult activities. And um, my understanding is that that's an option that many of the men, my husband included, really liked that um, just felt it was very effective and also um, didn't mind having that kind of an injection. So kind of interesting. Wow. Kind of scary, too, having to get shots and stuff. I've always been scared of needles. And yeah, and, and, and in a tiny, tiny, very thin, I can't take the fact that it is a needle, but I would say that people that take daily injections for things, let's say like a diabetes, are going to have a needle that's really thin, and they probably, some of them have to do multiple things every day. So, you know, the the thinness of the needle is there. The, uh, you know, but people do need a prescription for, for, for that kind of a, uh, the you know, the combination of the liquid that's got to go in there to do that. But it's definitely a solution for people to be able to have activities that their body's not helping them to have on their own. I got a question for you. Sure. When you and your husband sat down to discuss your writing the book, how resistant was he at the beginning? Are you talking about the the, the book about the sex after prostate cancer, our wife's secrets? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I never sat down and I just I never discussed writing the book with him. It wasn't that wasn't that wasn't something that I had asked permission to do or discussed. Um, the book started with writing an article for um, a website called ezinearticles.com in about 2007, and I posted this one article called Sex After Prostate Cancer, A Wife's Secrets, and over 24,000 people read it, and so I knew that people had an interest in the subject and that one day I was going to, you know, uh, publish this book. So you didn't have any discussions with them about it? No, no, I didn't. I didn't really, I really didn't ask him about the um writing the book i took i took articles that i had written mm-hmm. and i um did some more research um i connected with uh research having to do with walnuts for um even health and found out that right now there's clinical studies going on they started at the beginning of this year finding out that walnuts were capable of re- reducing the size of tumors in prostate cancer, breast cancer, and colon cancer. So there's research going on. I included that in my book, and I put this book out on the market in about March. And the response that I'm getting is people, it's a book of hope. It's just a book of hope and encouragement with some information to help 
people, and people are asking me to write a more detailed book. And maybe when I do that part, I will talk to my spouse about it because people are asking for more intimate details. And then I will probably have a conversation with him about it, about it and see if we collaborate. Okay. So Joe, why would you yeah. why why would you think she would need to ask him about writing? Well, because book? I haven't read the book, so I'm assuming that the book you know includes some intimate um, details about their life. And if it's including intimate details about somebody who's undergone this type of um, situation, then I would think that he would be consulted before his particular uh, problems get splashed out there to the public. But if the book is about prostate cancer, uh, cancer and surviving in general, without much mention or referring back to him, then it's cool. Right, right. And his name his name is not mentioned in the book either. No, we don't have the same we don't have the same name. Um, you know, our names are different, and his name is not mentioned. So, you know, um, I think at, at any point where, where I would want to please open, and that's really what saved both of us in terms of a, a marital situation. You know, I was as much encouraging of him to be able to find options so that you know our lives would be good in that department and not not be problematic and so together you know we did we took these actions together well, you yeah, know yep. i mean yeah okay. yeah uh like i said i haven't read the book and i would you know would would want to know how the communication was um was transpiring back and forth yeah we had very good communi- we had very good communication in that area uh, and he didn't so i guess he didn't care or, <laughs> Because I mean, well, he wanted me happy. Let's say, for you example, know. I was married and my wife came down with breast cancer and she had um, a mastectomy, and I started reading and I started writing about it. Um, if I started including details about her, I would think that I would have to discuss the book with her prior to publishing it because it's also about her feelings, what she went through. So. That's why right. I, I wanted to know. I think you're allowed to have your own story. I think that people are allowed to tell the story from their point of view. And I think that, you know, if I wanted to bring him on, I would just invite him onto a talk show and, and let him share his opinion of, you know, what it took from his point of view. From 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 what I know from his, his side of the story is he wanted me to be happy and he was willing to look for whatever uh, things were going to make that possible. And... You know that was yeah, and like that's cool. Well, okay, as long as she's good, good with it. Well, Joe, hopefully she answered your question satisfactorily. We we do miss you here on Cata Play a Play. Joe's usually our resident heckler. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, and Joe. And, and, mm-hmm. and you're a perfect and you're a perfect guest, Lori. He can't find a way to get you. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what? Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Joe. Yeah. The question is, I got. I have one for you too, because a lot of men have found themselves in relationships with women that that had uh, mastectomies, mm-hmm. and they've had problems staying within that relationship. Okay. And so, what is your question? So I want to know from Joe, does he see himself as one that being able to handle that? Because I know a lot of women can handle a man going through um, the issues that Lori mentioned here, but then flipping the script and giving the same type of situation to men, how how able are they to deal with situations like that, in your opinion? Well, I would think that, well, for one thing, I don't know how many women would be uh, willing to put up with a man who's uh, who's medically unable to get an erection. I don't know that. And I don't know how many men have stayed with or abandoned women who have had mastectomies. So I don't know that. But if you're asking me, um, I haven't been in that situation. If I was married, I would definitely be very, very supportive. Um, if I weren't married and if I were not in a deep relationship, then I'd have to take it um, every day, you know, um, uh, on a daily basis. Um, but if I was 
in love with her, then I'd stand by her. But if it affected the relationship, because sometimes, who knows, maybe the uh, a heart attack, mastectomies, prostate cancer, erectile dysfunction, that might affect the personality of the person who's got it. And that person may not be very easy to get along with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, depression about- is definitely a bigger issue than the sex. Yeah. Depression, depression it becomes a bigger problem when people don't want to, they, that they, they just can't handle themselves. You know, they're having their own mental issues. Mm. And sex is mental. You've got to tell a message to your brain for things to happen. Well, if you keep getting depressed, you make things worse. Yeah, um, I agree with you. And I've, I would think that a person who's in a deeply committed relationship uh, would stand by that person because the depression would be caused as a result of, of a particular type of tragedy happening. Um, and then again, you have to ask yourself, up to what limits? I mean, if the person was a very cordial person... No, Joe, no, Joe, it says for better or worse. It didn't say no, no, for no, better no, or almost No, I'm not talking there. about marriage. Right? I'm not talking about marriage. Because I'm not married. Um, I'm talking about in a relationship. It would depend upon um, what kind of toll it would take on the relationship and for how long that toll would take. And if you're saying, or if I'm saying, uh, like, baby, you got, you know, this has been two years now and you're still depressed or your personality has changed and your personality and mindset is affecting our relationship, um, you know, I don't know if I can stay. Well, I'm glad you called in, and I'm glad you keep supporting the Mop Show. Please make sure that you do keep calling in and, um, you know, participating. That's a good thing. And it was nice to have met you. Definitely. Thanks. Are you the new co-host? Yes, she's my my new partner in a whole bunch of things, sir. Oh, okay. So, So don't be such a stranger, and you'll know all this good stuff. Yeah, so, awesome. Lori, where are you appearing yeah. next? I know you're going to be speaking somewhere soon. I just, um, I just uh, did an appearance for the International Association of Fundraising Professionals, so that I can um, could help them with their online visibility. And I was um, just interviewed by a woman who wrote a book called Suddenly Solo, where he lost his wife, and at 80 years old, he had to figure out now what is he going to do. And he has a show himself uh, under Su- Suddenly Solo, all about and marriage and relationships, you know, in the senior years. So we just recorded that in the last couple of days. Wow. I'd like to hear that show. Maybe I can figure out some of my hidden potential and figure out where my millions are hiding. Right, right. Well, Lori, tell our listeners where they can go get your books and how they can, can support you, and I'm sure they could definitely, definitely go out and learn something from reading your stuff. You know, I'm visible on the social media on Twitter at Successipes, S-U-C-C-E-S-S-I-P-E-S. You can definitely look me up on Amazon and, you know, under Sex After Prostate Cancer or Wife Secrets, whether you get the downloadable or buy the book, and without me, you'll be eating out of garbage cans. They're there on Amazon. Uh, you can find me on bylnetwork.com, betteryourlifenetwork.com. I'm I'm a host of a show there, and on recipes. So this is great. I'm so glad that you invited me to be on your show today. And it was definitely our pleasure to have you, Laurie. And great, great, great. We had a great show. Great fun and. Please come back soon and keep us abreast of everything you got going on. You know we're going to support you on the radio and TV and all that good stuff. Thank you, Lamont, and you have a great day. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Ms. Lori Wilkes, y'all. And uh, if you missed some of this show, you can always go back and get it in the archives because you need to, need, to, need to catch up on this one, you know. Hang on. Don't go nowhere.
Hey, I'm Savin Gavia, and you are now listening to Can I Play a Play live every Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make sure you check out these good fellas at www.facebook.com forward slash playology. And also, make sure to get your copy of the new book entitled Who Is She and What Is She to You on Amazon or worldmovement.com. Can I Play a Play? <laughs> oh, pretty Tony. Put in I'm moaning as you squeeze me like you need me It's literal that you succeed because you got my knees weak I'm ready for whatever, baby, don't tease me I need it like this, but they continue as you please me I'm here to testify you all that I got Let's make it happen while I wait now, leave it Watch a movie, oh girl. 
Baby, but you get the work out of me. 